Ms. McGuire. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, I'd like to start out this morning just pointing out briefly two areas of confusion that I've heard on the court this morning. The first is with respect to federal reserved rights. Justice Barrett, I believe you asked Mr. Liu about the federal reserved claims were brought forward by the federal government, and he responded in Arizona versus California that federal reserved right claims were made for five tribes by the federal government. That is not quite correct. The federal government made federal reserved right claims to tw for 25 reservations. Five of those claims went to the lower Colorado River. 20 of those claims were to the little Colorado River and other tributaries of the lower Colorado River system. So the government clearly in Arizona versus California was acting on behalf of 25 different tribes to making claims to different water sources. Those federal reserved rights are simply rights that then need to be adjudicated. In Arizona versus California, this court did so with respect to the lower Colorado River and elected not to hear the claims regarding the tributaries of the river. So the Navajos were represented in Arizona versus California like the other 19 tribes, but their claims did well, not counsel, go to the lower Colorado River. You know, I'm not sure that's quite right either. Um, the federal government refused to bring a claim on behalf of certain tribes in the, to the lower Colorado, including the Navajo. And this court said that no adjudication of any tribes uh, other than those expressly discussed in the decree were adjudicated, right? Thank you, Justice Gorsuch. There was an extensive colloquy with the special master with respect to the claims being made by the federal government. The federal government was not refusing... It acted, it acted as judge and, and as well as in, in its trust obligations. It's found it said it didn't have any trust obligations with respect to the Navajo and the lower Colorado, so it didn't bring them. That was its judgment. No, it believed it had trust obligations and it raised claims to the little Colorado River. And in fact, I, I'm, I'm talking about the lower Colorado, the mainstream. And, and the government decided there that it was not going to bring any winter's claim with respect to the Navajo in the, in, in the mainstream. And so the Navajo have never had an adjudication of their rights with respect to the mainstream, correct? That is correct. All right. I would welcome the court's questions. I think we're well into the meat of the discussion here. You are going to make a second area of confusion. I just want to make sure you get that out. Yes. Part of the difficulty when you're talking about federal reserved rights is that those rights stem from the Winters decision. It is an implied right. There is no duty that attaches to Winters. And if you look at what the Supreme Court was reviewing when it reached its determination that an implied right to water was created, it never looked at a treaty. It did not look at an agreement. It looked at the federal government's actions. So that implied right then needs to be made effective. It's made effective through the adjudication process, either before this court and the unique nature of the Lower Colorado River or in state adjudication proceedings. So there is a second step to effectuating those federal reserved rights beyond simply the notion I'm not, I'm not that sure they I have quite right. understand that reading of Winters, and, or maybe I just didn't understand quite what you said. But are, are, you, are you, I mean, Winters is clearly a case about a treaty, correct? Uh, no, Your Honor. I mean, Winters says the case, as we view it, turns on the agreement, resulting in the creation of Fort Belknap Reservation. 
You can't say it any more clearly than that. That is true, but there's no mention of water in that treaty. Yes, there isn't a mention of water in the treaty. That's correct. I mean, there's like a page, which is very clear in Winters, which says there's no mention of water in this treaty, but um, there's a very clear principle about how we interpret Indian treaties, and it gives the benefit of the doubt to the Indians. And so as between these two things, and it goes on a little bit about, it's a little bit ambiguous, what does it mean with respect to this water? Did they retain it? Did they cede it? What did they do? And then they said, we, re we refer to this very clear understanding of how we interpret Indian treaties, and that requires that we rule in favor of the Indians here. So it's quite clear that Winters says, you know, there's this way of dealing with Indian treaties, and this is a case about a treaty, and it just doesn't matter that it doesn't say water. I take your point, Justice Kagan, but I think it's important to remember that the actual holding of Winters is we have found that when the federal government sets aside land for, in this case, an Indian reservation, they intended to reserve sufficient water to meet the purpose of the reservation. It is an intent. It does not define a duty for the federal government. That implied reservation of rights is important, but it does not bring an obligation on the federal government to do something more with that implied right to water. Right. Well, I mean, rights usually um, have a correlative duty attached to them. So what do you take, and this was the conversation that I had with Mr. Liu, which I think is at the heart of this case. So what's the correlative duty that the right that they got from this treaty, which the government admits they got, uh, what is the correlative duty? Justice Kagan, I would say the state petitioners want to make it clear we do not dispute that they don't have a federal reserved right. What the state petitioners dispute is what is the raise what is the source of that right that they think they have? They're claiming consistently through 20 years of litigation that that right goes to the lower Colorado River. Our argument is they cannot have a right to the lower Colorado River until they come before this court and receive an adjudicated right. So it gives them a federal reserved right, gives them the right to enforce a claim against another party that has claims to the same body of water. But that's in an adjudication proceeding. It's not independent um, based on the Federal Reserve right alone. Ms. McGuire, uh, did uh, the government's uh, representative, Mr. Liu, say anything during his time with which you disagree? I would disagree uh, on behalf of the state petitioners that the, it is solely a breach of trust case. I think it's a jurisdictional case, first and foremost, because throughout the 20 years of litigation on this case, there's only been one source of water identified. That's the Lower Colorado River. And even with the modified reply that we have before the court today, they say that they're now only looking for the secretary to plan for and assess their water rights on the reservation in the Arizona portion of that reservation. But that pleading is riddled with references to the lower Colorado River, and in no less than a half a dozen times, they say we have unquantified rights to the lower if Colorado. If that's what they're after, do the state petitioners have any objection to it? Because it doesn't seem then that it affects you very much if they're not getting the water from the mainstream. It does affect us. The problem is the cloud on title, if you will. As long as any 
lower court has the potential to issue a ruling that directs the secretary to take an action that manages the system differently than it currently is under what we call the law of the river, there is a risk that the vested right holders with more than 60 years but of right are jeopardized. Lee, but Judge, I guess what I'm getting at is Judge Lee and his concurrence in the Ninth, Cir Ninth Circuit said, you know, listen, this can go forward so long as whatever happens doesn't wind up messing with the decree, essentially. And I, I gather, in the interchange with Mr. Liu, that there are things now that the federal government understands the Navajo would be asking for, which are separate from the mainstream, which are coming up with the plan, figuring out maybe drilling, tapping aquifers, et cetera. What is the state's interest in that? I guess I don't understand it. That wouldn't really involve the decree. So if there was a way for them to litigate that claim that didn't involve the mainstream, would the states have any objection to that? I mean, what's your interest? Our interest would be simply the fact that this case is at the pleading stage and would be remanded to a lower court. And then that court would interpret whatever this court has directed it to do. And it could potentially be issuing an order for the secretary to take certain actions that may indeed color the ability of the secretary what to if, manage the system. I'm, I'm not sure I, I understood the answer to that, uh, Justice Barrett's question, because uh, it seems to me like you're maybe hyping, uh, uh, battling the hypothetical. The hypothetical is, suppose as the government itself concedes that there are actions it could take that would not affect the mainstream at all that would vindicate the Navajo's contract right to water, assume there is one. What's the state's interest? Your Honor, I would simply not concede that they're only asking I know for that. a plan I, I know that, but I'm asking you to, to, to deal with the hypothetical that I presented you with rather than fight it. I would, I would agree if you could narrow it to plan and assess. Let me just add one fact, though. Here. No, no, before you add any facts, can we agree that the states don't have any interest if the mainstream of the Colorado is not touched? No, I think the, the state you, petitioners you, would then, still be Then you need to articulate for us what interest the states have in that scenario. In that scenario, planning and assessment really then, as Mr. Liu indicated, leaves a great deal of room for interpretation. What does it mean to plan? What are you assessing? You're assessing sources of water. You're assessing water demands. The Navajo have access to the Little Colorado, the tributaries and washes on the reservation in Arizona, and groundwater, as you said. Now, if you narrowed it and said you can only uh, assess the needs based on groundwater, and by the way, they've excluded the Little Colorado, that's all you're left with. So it's almost not. Do you have any objection to that? A study of groundwater? Yeah. I do not, okay. Your Honor. Justice Thomas, anything further? Um, in your uh, years of litigating this, has uh, there been a suggestion of any source other than the lower Colorado? There has not, Your Honor. Justice Alito? Justice, Justice Sotomayor? Justice, Justice Kagan, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, Spirit. Justice Jackson. Can I just clarify one quick thing? This is the same issue. If, if hypothetically, <coughs> the Navajo just said what we would like is for the federal government to calculate how much water we need per capita, Mr. Liu says we don't know that information. The Navajo is claiming they don't have enough. If that was the world that we're living in, does the state, would the state object? The state would not object, 
but I would say that I think there are serious problems with the enforceability of that. Understood, direction. but but uh, would there be jurisdiction under Arizona versus Colorado for a court to entertain a Navajo suit claiming that the government has a responsibility to figure out how much water they need and it hasn't done so? As long as it was absolutely clear that the decree and the decision in Arizona versus California are completely carved out of any assessments, if any rights um, to that river are undertaken. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. Thank you.